Let's take our Bibles to the book of Micah, where we left off, Micah chapter 1. This prophet is speaking of the coming of the Lord back to this earth and the judgment that will take place because of that. And we'll start reading again from verse number 1 of chapter 1 and read down to verse number 7 together. Micah chapter 1, the Bible says, verse number 1, the word of the Lord came came to Micah, the Merashthite, in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Hear all ye people, hearken, O earth, and all that dwell therein is, and all that therein is, and let the Lord God be witness against you. The Lord from his holy temple. For behold, the Lord cometh forth out of his place and will come down and tread upon the high places of the earth. And the mountains shall be molten under him and the valleys shall be cleft as wax before the fire. And as the waters that are poured down a steep place. For the transgression of Jacob is all this and for the sins of the house of Israel. What is the transgression of Jacob? Is it not Samaria? And what are the high places of Judah? Are they not Jerusalem? Therefore I will make Samaria as an heap of the field and as plantings of a vineyard and I will pour down the stones thereof into the valley and I will discover the foundations thereof and all the graven images thereof shall be beaten to pieces And all the hires thereof shall be burned with the fire. And all the idols thereof will I lay desolate. For she gathered it of the hire of an harlot. And they shall return to the hire of an harlot. He says, furthermore, verse 8, Therefore I will wail and howl. I will go stripped and naked. I will make a wailing like the dragons and mourning as the owls. For her wound is incurable, for it is coming to Judah. He is coming to the gate of my people, even to Jerusalem. So as God gives his declaration of judgment upon his people, and as you understand, this prophet is preaching before Israel went into captivity. But there is so much in the book of Micah, not just about the judgment of God upon the nation of Israel that is about to go into captivity, but also the judgment of God that is coming to all the earth. That's why he says in the text, he says, Hear all ye people, and hearken, O earth, and all that therein is. It's not just a message just for these people. But what God is going to judge in Israel, one of these days he's going to judge in the entire world. And that judgment is yet to come, but it's approaching very fast. And so the question would be, why is all of this judgment that we're reading about, when he comes down, the Bible, we talked about it last time, verse number 4, the mountains just start melting like wax under his feet. Uh, Geographical changes. All this judgment that is surrounding the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, what's the purpose of it? Why is it coming? Look at verse number five. You know, a lot of people uh, try to accuse God of, because the Bible speaks of the judgment of God, and 
God loves judgment. That's what the Bible says. And you've got to be perverted not to love judgment. I guarantee you if somebody harmed one of your children, you would want them judged. Right? So, But now the cry of the whole world is we don't want anybody to be judged. And that's the cry of people that are guilty of heinous things, you see. It's because if nobody gets judged, that means I won't get judged. But God is a God of judgment. And there is a hell, and there's also judgment for his own people. God judges us. He doesn't judge us because he hates us. He judges us because he loves us. And uh, he, as his people, he wants to correct us, as a father should correct his children. But why does judgment even come? It's not because God is just mean. Look at verse number 5. For the transgression of Jacob is all this. Do you see that in your mind? In other words, the reason that all these terrible things are going to come to pass and Israel's going to go into captivity is because of all of their transgressions. They made their bed. But they don't want to lie in it. They don't. They've sowed it, but they don't want to reap it. For the transgression of Jacob is all this. Watch it. And for the sins of the house of Israel. He said the severity of this judgment is coming because of transgression and sin. You do know when the Lord Jesus comes back to this earth that right prior to that is called the time of Jacob's trouble. That's Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 7. Do you know that Israel has been having trouble for a long time? It didn't just start with Hamas. Do you know why Israel has had so much trouble? Transgression. Sin. Now, they're still God's people. We, we see that in Romans chapter 11. God hath not cast away his people whom he foreknew. And one of these days all Israel shall be saved, the Bible said in Romans chapter 11. That's true. But right now God's dealing with the church. He's dealing with the whole world, not just one group of people. It's whosoever will, let him come. And, and I'm glad for that. But the truth is, if you look at the history of Israel, all of the terrible things that have happened in their lives, the majority of them, is because of their sins. So the, the captivity occurred because of Israel's sin. He even asked the question in verse number 5, what is the transgression of Jacob? What did they do? Then he says, is it not Samaria? Now, if you know anything about the history of Israel, Israel divided in two. They divided in two because of sin. Solomon's sin. His idolatry. His lack of obedience to God. And so because of sin, the country was divided. People really, I don't think really people really understand or believe or, un, or know how much God is involved in the nations of the world. It's not just Israel. All you have to do, go back to our study of the book of Daniel. God is very involved in the kingdoms of this world. And what happens to people so many times, even people that know the truth, 
And, and that's true even in this text, and maybe we'll turn to it tonight. You, know, you remember how God turned from judgment to Nineveh? He turned away from him. He was going to wipe. That's the prophet Jonah. Okay, now watch. Follow me with your mind. Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. Assyria is who is taking Israel into captivity. When Israel goes into captivity to Assyria, then later God judges Assyria. You know why God judges Assyria? Because of their sin. Because after they repented, there's another book in your Bible. Jonah is the great book of of God's blessing on Nineveh and Assyria. But the book of Nahum is God's judgment on the same people. Because they they were helped by God, but then they turned their back on God. And so they suffer the consequences. And it doesn't take, you know, our nation is so young. We, we, we could be forgotten in a fortnight. <laughs> we really could. God has blessed our country. But what happens to a country in the meantime? The split of the nation of Israel was because of their sin. And then when they split, okay, the, the northern kingdom was Samaria. They, they made the capital Samaria. Jeroboam, he, he, he started, and the first thing he did, the first thing he did, he said, well, we don't want people going back down to Jerusalem to worship God. Then I'll lose all my, my taxpayers. We'll have, that's why we've got to put up walls in Berlin, you know, to keep people in because we don't want them to leave. That's why we had to put up barriers in North Korea because we want to keep them all in. Well, Jeroboam was worried about that. He was worried about losing his country. So he said, I tell you what, we've got to do something about this religion thing because everybody knows that God is, God's temple's down there at Jerusalem. So what he did in Samaria was, get this, if you want to make God mad, you know, all you'd have to do is, is go back in history and repeat something that really made him angry. What was the first sin of the nation of Israel that made God very angry? A golden calf. And when Moses came down, God just started killing people. Do you know what the king of the newly divided nation of Israel, you know what the first thing he did? He didn't just make one golden calf, he made two. And they started worshiping those calves. How, how angry do you think that made God? Don't you think God remembered that first calf? <laughs> I bet he wasn't too happy. By the way, I don't think he's too happy when he sees uh, people flaunting rainbows for their sin either. Because that has a very specific meaning in Scripture. Uh, anyway... There's a whole lot of things you can do to make God mad. And he says, I'll tell you why this judgment is coming. It's for the transgression of of Jacob. It's for the sins that you have committed against me. Now listen, bad things in our lives do not always happen because of sin. That's okay. They came to Jesus and they said, okay, who, who sinned, this man or his parents that he was born blind? Well, you think about that. If a guy's born blind, it ain't too much sin he can commit before he was born. But that's what they ask. Who sinned? This guy or his parents? And the Lord said, Name one of them. 
This has happened for the glory of God. You know, some, thing, some bad things happen just because that's life. Okay? Guys, whatever you die of, you won't be thankful for it. <laughs> I, I guess. I mean, maybe you will if you're just ready to go to heaven that bad. But we all have a certain amount of time, right? We are all checking out of here. Well, there's some means that God's going to use to check us out. So that's just life on some ends. On some other ends, it's for the glory of God. God brings the trouble and the problem so that somehow He can get glory and maybe somebody else could see God like they would never see God without the problem. That was our message on Job, was it not? He didn't do anything wrong. But somebody got to see God because of it. Matter of fact, I get to see God because of it. People have been reading that story for thousands of years that have learned things about God you'd have never known. But the majority of our trouble comes because of our sin. Somewhere. So when you got trouble, the first thing you need to do is get on your face before the Lord and say, God, are you trying to talk to me about something? Is there something in my heart that's not right? Now, that's not the last thing you do, but I'd say that should be the first thing you do. Because he said right here, for the transgression of Judah is all this. <laughs> All this is because of what they did. There's an idol in their lives. He talks about, he says, what is the sin of Judah? Where's that? Verse number number 5. And what are the high places of Judah? Are they not in Jerusalem? This is what was happening now in Jerusalem. So in the southern kingdom and the other division of, of the nation of Israel, what they started doing, they started being jealous of the idol worship up there. And so they started doing some of their own stuff and they started putting high places and groves and trees. Solomon even did that, you know. Around Jerusalem, instead of just worshiping him at the temple of God, they were worshiping other things and all these other high places. He mentions that idolatry. Look at verse 7. And all the graven images thereof shall be beaten to pieces, and all the hires thereof shall be burned uh, with the fire. Watch it. And all the idols thereof will I lay desolate. Do you see that? He says, the reason I'm coming to judge is because I'm going to bust up all your idols. Now, years and years and years ago, when the Catholic Church sort of dominated the stage of the world, there were some people that stepped out on the stage and they started breaking up idols. They called them iconoclasts. That, that means they just destroyed the idols that people, whether it was an image of a saint or an image of Mary or an image of whoever. They, they just bust them up. You have a story about that in the Old Testament with Gideon. Gideon tore down their, their false images and they got all mad and wanted to kill him. And so Gideon's dad got up, stood up for him, you know. I've always been intrigued about that. Why didn't his daddy tear down the idol? Why, why did he have to what, let his son do that? 
Why didn't he have the guts? He, he knew it wasn't right. He said, you going to plead for bail? Well, why didn't you stand up, Dad? You know what the truth is about that thing? He cared more about his boy than he cared about God. He didn't want his boy to get hurt, but he didn't care if the name of God got hurt. So he stood up for his son. But what he did, Gideon tore down their idols. Now you think about it. Americans, for the most part, don't bow down to Buddhist statues and Hindu gods with, you know, blue arms. That's, but I, I, I tell you this right here. I've pastored long enough. Even independent Baptists have idols in their life. And all you, have to, all you have to do is kick a few and you'll find them. And the Lord said this. The Lord says, I'm bringing judgment because of the idolatry that you have. Israel was judged and went into captivity because of their idolatry. Now, God had mercy on them, brought them back in the land. Jesus Christ was sent to, 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 to the people of Israel. And then what did they do? They didn't have a bunch of idols standing around, but they rejected God's only begotten Son. And you know what's been happening with Israel ever since they rejected the Messiah, since they rejected the Lord Jesus Christ? All they've had is trouble. It doesn't matter if it's the Roman Empire. It doesn't matter if it's the Crusades. It doesn't matter if it's Adolf Hitler, it doesn't matter if it's Hamas or the Islamic world. They have, no, have had nothing but trouble day after day after day. And if they could just come to the realization, why is this coming? For the transgression of Jacob. You know what they said? They said, we have no king but Caesar. We don't want God to be our king. We'll take, we'll take Caesar to be our king. How'd that work out for them? Now, let me ask you a question. Who's the king of your life? What altar do you bow down to? Who, who's in charge of you? See, the book says in the New Testament that covetousness is idolatry. That's why as a church he even says you're to put out people of the church and not even eat with them and, not, and, and, and discipline them and remove them from the assembly. It's just as bad as drunkenness or, or fornication or any of those sins. He said covetousness is idolatry. In other words, when you care more about things than you care about God, you've got an idol. It could be a football. It could be a rifle. It could be your job, it could be your house, it could be your car, it could be your family, it could be a pop star, it could be music, it could be a talent. Whatever is more important to you than God, whatever has more of your time and heart and money. And I wouldn't be surprised. I really believe, I believe this, America is under the judgment of God now. I don't think it's very severe because this is what I know about the Bible. When God gets mad, really mad, it's a whole lot worse than this right now. I just think the judgment is starting to come. You know why? I think it's idolatry. 
We knew who the right God was. Our, our, our country was not founded by atheists or perverts or Muslims. Our, our country was founded by people that knew and respected the Word of God. I, I'm not saying all of them were saved, but they knew who God was. That's not true now. We have a society that's turned from God and they've got other idols. So the next time something bad comes down the road, we need to look in the mirror ourselves. You know, He says it's time that judgment begins at the house of the Lord. Every one of us need to know why is all of this in my life? Is it for the glory of God or is it for my transgression? David knew. David knew why his judgment was coming. You know, that's why he, why he had such a better time with it than we have with trouble. I mean, he's walking through there, and the guy's, Shimei's cursing him, you know, when he's running away from his son, trying to kill him. And the guys around David said, David, don't let him talk like We're going to go over and take his head off. You know what David said? Let him alone. Maybe God wants him to curse me. You know what he knew about himself? He knew that there were things in his life that had brought judgment of God in his life. So he wasn't going to complain about it. He took it like a man. Yeah, he took it like a man. So the Bible gives us the cause of all this judgment. It is for the transgression of Jacob and for the sins, for the sins of the house of Israel. That's why these things are coming. He says in verse number 7, I think it's interesting. He says in the verse, For she gathered it of the hire of an harlot, and they shall return to the hire of an harlot. Israel had been not only a place filled with idolatry, but they had been joining themselves to the to, to, the, to the world and joining themselves to the world system, and they were supposed to be so different. And he calls this the harlot. Now, I won't take time to go to the book of Nahum, but the Bible calls Nineveh a harlot in Nahum chapter 3 and verse number 4. And because they, they started cozying up to, to, to Assyria and the kingdoms of the world, and then it was those same kingdoms that destroyed them. That was true even with Babylon. And Assyria is indelibly linked with Babylon, but I don't have time to go into that. But you remember how cozy Babylon was with Israel? They even came to Israel and were talking to Hezekiah, and they had, you know, look at all this and... And then Babylon was the very ones that took them into captivity. So here, here's the principle. When you play with the world then, and you profit from the world, at the end of the day, the world is going to take you into bondage. And that's exactly what happened here. And, and by the way, when you think about that thing, about that harlot, he says, he says uh, about this guy that's coming and it's it's, the king of Assyria, look at verse number, it's not just the Lord that's coming in this text. Look at verse number nine. For her wound is incurable, for it is coming to Judah. Watch this. He is come unto the gate of my people, even to Jerusalem. You know who that is? That's Sennacherib. That he, he's coming from Assyria, and he comes even to the gate of Jerusalem. Now, he is an unbelievable picture of the Antichrist that is to come 
And, and that's, we'll get to that when we get to chapter 5 and verse number 5. It says, when the Assyrians shall come into our land and when he shall tread in our palaces, he talks about this man shall be the peace. In other words, God is going to bring somebody in to destroy this Antichrist that has come to Israel because of their sin to judge them. And the tribulation is not just a time of judgment on the world. It's a time of judgment to Israel. And the Bible calls this, they were messing around with a harlot. And if you take notes, you could write down in your Bible, Revelation chapter 17, the mother of harlots of all the earth, Babylon the great. And Revelation chapter 17, 18, it's this great world system. And all the world is going in one direction, controlled by one power, and it's not God's power. It's the devil's power. And there's coming a day that that world system is not just going to swallow up Israel and come to her gate, but is going to encompass the gate of the entire world. I'm glad as a child of God, I'm not going to be here. God's delivered me from that wrath. But that is coming to this world. And he calls it a harlot. And he says they're all going to wail because of this harlot when God destroys them because they just got together with that system and God wanted his people to be separate and to be different. But look at verse number 6. This is what God says he'll do because of their sin. Verse number 6, Micah chapter 1. Therefore, I will make Samaria as a heap of the field. And as plantings of a vineyard, and I will pour down the stones thereof into the valley, and I will discover the foundations thereof. What he's saying is, he's saying he's going to plow them up like a heap. Look at chapter 3 of Micah verse 12. It's the cross reference to this. Micah 3 verse 12. Therefore shall Zion for your sake be plowed as a field, And Jerusalem shall become heaps and the mountain of the house as the high places of the forest. He said, I'm going to plow you up and you're just going to be a big heap. I'm going to break down everything. I'm going to pile up your strength and even destroy your your foundations. He said, I'll discover the foundation there. I'm going to plow you down to the very bottom of where you are. And I think really, I think a lot of times... God drops the plow in all of our lives. Because he, he's not trying to break up the foundation of our life, but he is trying to break up the rocks and the things that get lodged in our hearts that aren't right. Good preaching is plowing. In fact, in the New Testament, he, he likens a preacher to an ox. <laughs> he said that ox that plows, you know, God cares for that oxen because he's plowing the field. You know nothing's going to grow in your life if it doesn't get plowed up. <laughs> Try throwing seed on a, on, a, on a piece of land that's never been plowed. And you know what? A lot of times God tries to break up the old hard hearts that we have to, to produce something that's different. And it might hurt when he drops a plow. But it'll help at the end of the day because it's getting all the bad stuff out so he can actually bring a good crop in. He says he's going to 
plow Israel. He's going to pile them up like a heap. Everything that was so important to them. You know, there's come a day this world. The Lord's going to knock down all the, not all the, just the physical structures, but all the financial structures, all the, he's going to pile it up like a heap. He'll take down the internet without even thinking about it. He'll take the financial system of the world down that fast. You know, all God have to do is just turn the rain off for about a year. That's all I have to do. And send a prophet that says, it ain't going to rain until I say it's going to rain. That's going to happen again, by the way. And he is just going to turn this world upside down in his judgment. And the Bible says, look, look at verse number 6, in the verse. I will discover the foundations thereof. God says, when I start plowing, I'm going to show you what you're really built on. You know what happens when God starts plowing our lives? You really see what's at the bottom of our life. And if it's just play, if it's just fun and games, there's not much to stand on. By the way, in our country, you know what? The judgment of God, I believe, is, is here. It's starting. I think the very foundations of our country is coming apart. I think God is plowing up the very foundations of our country. I mean, you plow up the foundation, the whole thing's going to crumble down, right? You know what the Bible tells us here in the Old Testament? It says, if the found, I think it's Proverbs, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? In other words, if you take away the foundation, you don't have anything. Little by little. Just a foundation of, of that there is a God, a foundation. He's our creator, the foundation of morality, the foundation of, a, of, of marriage as a man and a woman, the foundation of God made us male and female, a foundation of, of, of decency and what's right. All those foundations are just being broken up. You break up that foundation, you know what you have? Just a heap. That's what's happening. And instead of blaming it on the devil, we, we, may not, we may not be right on blaming that on the devil. Because when, when you turn, when, when a people turn away from God, he starts plowing up the heaps. That's just what it is. Now, the good news is, he doesn't have to plow up your foundation. See, your foundation is not dependent upon the foundation of this nation. Because no other foundation can lay, can any man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. My foundation is not America. My foundation is the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I was living, amen, in Indonesia or Egypt or wherever, my foundation is God. You see, I have a Bible that's my foundation. Now that's being broken up all around. Kids aren't growing up believing that the Bible's the Word of God. I mean, people that used to, people that weren't even saved believed the Bible was the Word of God. But not today. But make sure your foundation is set. 
your foundation is in God. Your foundation is not in your social status or your, your income that you're making or even your health. Our foundation's got to be in the Lord. And God says when he drops the plow and when he gets angry, that was Psalm 11, verse 3, by the way, what can the righteous do if the foundations be destroyed? And don't let, don't let the devil and don't let your own sin destroy your foundations. I thank the Lord. You know, Alabama's a little different. I mean, look around. You got people in church on a Wednesday night. You know, you can go to some, some state, some city, some towns in this country, and you couldn't find 20 people in a church house on a Wednesday night with a flashlight. If you, if you hired a detective, you couldn't find that many people in church. You know why? Because the foundation has been destroyed. People in Alabama, whether they're saved or not, they still believe in going to church. I would be scared to death to raise my family outside of church. It's hard enough for them to do right if they're raised in church. We used to have that foundation, but what happens? Sin just takes away the foundations. And ultimately, God will drop the plow and just break the whole thing up. And so the reaction to all this judgment is verse number 8. And I'm going to quit here. Therefore, because I'm seeing all this judgment, I will wail and howl. You know, you know this guy's not an independent Baptist because if he'd been an independent Baptist, he said, I would clap and rejoice. <laughs> Be careful when you're happy about the judgment that's fallen. The prophet is wailing and howling. You know why? He cares about these people. That doesn't mean God's not just to drop the plow, but he's wailing and howling over it. You know, the Bible says when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back to this earth, Revelation 1 verse 7, all the world will wail because of him. And in hell tonight, there's, there's wailing. And there's gnashing of teeth. And the Bible tells us, he, he, he said in, in Amos chapter 6 verse 6, he said, are you not grieved over the affliction of Joseph? Are you not, you're not bothered about that? You're lying on your, your couches and enjoying your life. Are you not grieved over the affliction of Joseph? He says, I'm going to wail and howl. I have to save this for next time. I will go stripped and naked. That's what they did when people died, but I don't have time to get into that. It'll take about 10 minutes. I will make a wailing like the dragons and mourning as the owls. Let me give you one verse on that and I'll be finished. Go to Job chapter 30. Job experienced pain and suffering like nobody else. And he mentions the dragons and the owls. The prophet says, I'm going to wail and howl like the dragons and the owls. Job chapter 30 Job says in verse number 28, I went mourning without the sun. I stood up and I cried in the congregation. Verse 29, I'm a brother to dragons 
and a companion to owls. That is showing the depth of his pain, the depth of his sorrow. And the prophet says he has the same kind of pain over what he's seeing, the judgment of God upon the nation of Israel. The dragons and the owls. I think you know the owl. What about the dragons? I got to think about that. We'll finish with this. This is either a figurative reference, which I don't think it is. Or it's referencing um, a physical creature. You know, we have dragons in the world. You can look them up on, in the encyclopedia. The Komodo dragon is a dragon. It hisses. It may be one of those animals. It may be an animal that has a creature that has left our modern era. Probably don't need to get into that. But the book of Psalms talks about a two-headed dragon. The Bible talks about fire-breathing dragons. But maybe, I'll just take a look, just one other step. I'm a companion to dragons. I'll wail and howl like a dragon. When I think of a dragon, the first thing my mind goes to is Satan. The book says he's a great red dragon. And when you look at the devil and you look at all those that serve him, just like the devil has many devils, the dragon probably has many dragons, and the crying and the wailing of the damned devils. Oh! And the prophet says, that's how I'm crying out for the people that are under the judgment of God. You know what I think? I think we really don't care about the judgment on other people, but we're really interested in the judgment on us.